Welcome to episode four of season three of the Simplify and Multiply show. And in this episode, I will be having a great conversation with Ford Sakes. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply Show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. I invited Ford to be a guest on the show when I learned how extensive his background is in marketing, business development, and all of the aspects around packaging and branding. And and it just goes on and on and on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do like 10 episodes with Ford because he's got so much great information. And Ford's done a great job of really uh, understanding how to help his clients. And he's in a similar business uh, that I am in, in the fact that he helps his clients build their business and develop products and services that, you know, can help them uh, increase their value and brand them and just put them out into a larger portion of the market so they could be much more successful and have better revenue growth. And so in this interview, Ford and I have a conversation about, obviously, this is the season of the power of a business of you. And uh, we talk a lot about some very important concepts around uh, being a solopreneur and creating that business of you from everything from packaging to how to outsource and things like that. So there's a lot of good little nuggets in here. Uh, definitely get your notepad out because he gives some great tips on things. So let's go ahead and jump into my interview with Ford Sakes. Well, hello, Ford Sakes. How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being on the Simplify and Multiply podcast. I'm doing amazing. and I'm so glad to be here. Oh, that's fabulous. So Ford, I was so intrigued when I first started learning about you and the extensive uh, background that you have as far as your business, uh, you know, advice around business growth, marketing, sales. And I've been chomping on your content a good bit. Your videos are just so polished and great. And I'm just kind of curious what you're up to now. So for our listener, if you wouldn't mind just kind of giving us a little background and tell us what kind of exciting things you're working on today. So I'm really a serial entrepreneur. I started at a very young age at 12 years old and invented a few products, products that if we talked about, you would already know. And then I had people starting to ask me, well, how do you invent a product and sell millions? How do you set up channels of distribution? How did you sell to Walmart? How did you get in sharper image? How did you handle channel conflicts and, and you know grow a company up uh, or many companies up? So after... Doing that, people came to me and said, well, how do you do that? Well, that led into speaking, keynote speaking and breakout sessions and training and public events. Then it led to coaching and consulting, uh, a whole host of product sales. And then other speakers, authors, trainers, experts, solopreneurs, single business owners would come to me and say, I want you to help me 
build my brand? Will you help me not just, you know, a tagline or anything like that, but how do I really monetize my expertise? And that led into the services that I offer now. So right now, Terry, really, I have two things. I have a company called Prime Concepts Group, which is just a creative marketing agency offering digital and integrated marketing services. Mm -hmm. And then I have ProfitRichResults.com, which is my keynote speaking, where I go out and give keynote presentations on business growth. That's awesome. And so what are some of the things that you're excited about working on in your businesses? Well, I'm working on a couple new books. I'm always looking at how do I remain relevant? You know, especially mm -hmm. as a keynote speaker, you're either going to be a celebrity or you're going to be relevant. Well, I'm relevant. I'm not a celebrity. Yes, I'm a celebrity in the old industries that I work in, but right. you know, I'm not a celebrity as, as the normal definition. So I work on remaining relevant, which means I spend a lot of time reading, listening to audio, and listening to your podcast, which is great and amazing, and looking at other a few other hand-selected podcasts. And I think if there's a tip as we get started, it would be, you know, be careful who you take advice from. You know, you mm -hmm. don't go to a skinny person you know, you don't go to a, excuse me, a, a overweight or fat person become skinny and you don't go to a broke person become rich. Um, mm -hmm. You, know, you want to really check their uh, Google reviews, check and see if they're really authentic. Because in our business, Terry, and you know this, there mm -hmm. are a lot of parasites that prey on new business owners, solopreneurs, oh, yeah. um, and th that try to give them insights when they haven't even done anything. I mean, if you Google life coach on YouTube, you're going to get a million, you know, under 20 year old life coaches. And I'm not saying some of them aren't great content, but you know, how much expertise could you really have at age 20? Yeah, that and so many are, are uncertified too. And it's funny because yeah. I have a coaching certificate and I know a lot of states are actually moving to the point where they're requiring it as a mandatory uh, licensing uh, for coaches because so many, like you said, so many are out there just, you know, they just claim, oh, I give great advice. So I'm just going to go out and hang my shingle and <laughs> do right. coaching. Right. And it's funny because the barriers to entry are so low that and if there's good and bad about that. Yep. So I think that advice is is really, really sharp. And uh, and it's easy to get caught up in the marketing game that a lot of uh, providers actually play out there because, you know, their stuff looks polished and sexy and and it says all the right things. And then you get into an engagement. And next thing you know, you're like, this is not helping me. This is not moving the needle forward for me in my business. So that's Absolutely. great advice. Yeah. Now, in this particular season, is all about the power of a business of you. And I've been having some great conversations so far this season about when you're a solopreneur and you're putting your expertise and your personality and what makes you you forward, you can much more easily, as you know, being in marketing as well, uh, position yourself as an expert in claim your space. And one of the things that uh, I talk to a lot of my clients about and just other solopreneurs is in addition to like once you have all of that marketing kind of compartmentalized and set up and looking good, there's still other aspects to business, to having that business of you where you need help or you need uh, to depend on other resources. And I'd love to hear how you and some of maybe your clients are dealing with uh, expanding their team, uh, maybe outsourcing. What are some of the things that you see happening that is working well for solopreneurs? Well, that's a lot of different questions, so I'll answer it. <laughs> Sorry with, about that. With, it's okay. <laughs> It'll be yes, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, no. no. Uh, so the first thing is, you know, you really want to look at your digital footprint, and I know that today's focus is going to be more on the other things you just asked about, but it's important to know 
that as a business owner, what's your digital footprint look like? And just to frame this, your digital footprint would be your website, business review sites, Google business listings, and other directory listings, and social media. So there's a lot of things that help really position that brand, the power of you, because we're in a digital age. So that leads into, we're in a digital age, so people are going to Google you before they do business with you. So you need to know what shows up. So as an action step, I would mystery shop yourself and see what shows up so you know what areas you want to focus on. So back to the actual question you asked, uh, you know, <laughs> should, you, should I outsource or how do I build a team? I would lead into this. People in business are good at one of three things. They're either good as the practitioner delivering the product or service. Mm-hmm. They're good in marketing and sales or they're experienced in operations. But very rarely are they strong in all three areas. So you want to hire your weaknesses, which leads me right into outsourcing. So before you hire someone for outsourcing, you need to really take a personal inventory and your team inventory if you have a team and ask yourself, what are my strengths and what areas do I really, what can I improve that I want to improve? Because I see, I don't believe that you should just improve your weaknesses. I think you should hire your weaknesses. You should outsource the things that you're not good at so that you don't end up, um, trying to do something you really shouldn't do, which isn't the highest and best use of your time. Like I have clients who come to me that say, well, I'm building my website. And I'm like, why would you waste your time building your <laughs> website when you don't, I mean, unless you're going to be a web developer, that doesn't make any sense. So, you know, there's a lot of outsourcing now because the world we live in with virtual employees, uh, places like Fiverr, um, Upwork, 99designs. And those are great places. And those are all websites. And uh, just for the purposes of this podcast, I'm not endorsing any one particular uh, company. I don't have stock. I don't get an re- affiliate commercial uh, payment for anything that I'm uh, promoting here. Unless, of course, you come to my company, which then I'm going to make money because it's my company. But um, you know, I really look at, look at take a personal inventory, figure out where your strengths are, and then search your network, your sphere of influence, and ask them who they use, because then you're going to get a trusted referral. So I'd start with your referral source, your trusted network. Then if you go online and you're just out Googling and you go to like Upwork or Google or, you know, you're just searching for a freelancer, maybe in your area or virtual assistant, or maybe you're searching on LinkedIn, you want to make sure that you check their references, check their portfolio and walk before you run. Don't get into a long-term contract until you've had the opportunity to really see, is the relationship going to work out? Mm-hmm. Um, I have clients, Terry, that call me that have the money, have the capacity and, you know, would be a great client. But in the initial discovery call, they don't listen, right? You give them an mm-hmm. idea and they one up it or they tell you why it won't work. Well, that's a client I don't want because no matter what I do, they're not going to be happy with the results. They're always going to be telling me what they think, which is important. I want to know what they think. But in the case of not listening, then you don't want them. So um, outsourcing is a great way to leverage. But I would walk before you run. I would start small. I would check references because there's more horror stories from people that have tried to outsource thinking that that's the right way because it sure sounds good on paper. You know, here I am. I have a creative marketing agency. Um, I have labor and overhead. I have to make payroll every two weeks. I would love to just work out of my house like a lot of other experts do, not have a brick and mortar building, not have rent, not have overhead, not have insurance, not have offices and the computers, internet and all the other things that I have to pay for. I'd much rather do it virtually. The problem is because my strengths in marketing and sales, not in management, you have to manage those outsource people. So, you know, it hasn't worked for me. So I've ended up having to hire and then leverage and train.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think everybody's going to have that point in their business, depending on what their goals are with their business. Uh, a lot of the the trends I'm seeing, which is why I created this whole, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Simplify Multiply peer community is because there are so many people that are doing what you just referred to as that ladder, you know, where they, it's it's basically a lifestyle business. And they don't have big dreams of scaling beyond just leveraging the di- digital uh, way to scale. Uh, they don't want to manage people. They just don't want to deal with it. And and there's a lot of, like you said, a lot of pluses around that. But it also can limit the size of your business and what you're trying to accomplish. And outsourcing becomes the only route. So I think that um, one of the one of the questions I did want to ask you regarding outsourcing is if you're focused on creating this kind of brand in your marketing and you bring on other resources, how do you, and I don't want to get into the weeds about, you know, what particular resource should have the right kind of education or training or what have you, but how do you keep the integrity of that business of you intact when you have these disparate resources that kind of come in and and do work for you to help you grow your business. Okay. So one of the things that we work with on any freelance uh, agreement is we always have a work for hire agreement, which basically says that the work that they do is ours. So that if they create something, write something, craft something that they don't claim ownership to it. So as a legal point, and for the purposes of this podcast, this is for educational purposes only, we're not giving you legal advice, but I would recommend that you do get a work for hire agreement with those vendors that you're working with, especially freelancers. Um, Number two, uh, conditions of satisfaction. Make sure you have what does success look like in writing. But more particularly, Terry, I like to have what's called M, T, and O, minimum, target, and optimal requirements of what something looks like. So for example, let's say I'm hiring someone to help with search engine optimization. Well, then I'm going to state, well, at the very bare minimum, I expect this. Now, if you do a good job, you hit the target. And if you really go above and beyond, that's optimal. Because it's really important that you get in alignment with any, whether they're internal employees, this also works for internal staff as well as uh, outsourcing. But you need to make sure you have total clarity on what does success look like. And then from there, you want to back up and, you know, obviously interview the person to make sure that that person has the skills, talent, ability, and is coachable. See, for me, Terry, I'd rather hire attitude. I can train skills. Someone can come to me and they don't have to necessarily know everything that I know or, or even a part of it. But if they have the right attitude and if they're a critical thinker and a problem solver, if they have integrity and a commitment to producing good results, I work with them all day long. Right. Even if even if they fumble and make a mistake, I I have found that you know even I've hired MBAs. It doesn't matter how much what what how much education they have. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a great employee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and it's and it's practical stuff you do have to have in place. I have some clients that are are very protective of their brand that they've created, and so much of it came from them originally. That when they start bringing in like writers or designers. They have to work extra hard to make sure that these outside resources that are coming into the flow that's already established can understand the brand, can you yes. know, have that onboarding. So they they put together kind of like this onboarding slash training around the culture and the brand of, of the actual business, which I think is super important 
when it comes to uh, building a business of you. Yeah, we've helped people do that with video. So you want to think about in your business, anything you do on a repetitive basis should be a sign that you should do a video. So for example, if you have a, a video for how to be a podcast guest, okay, great. And I know you did a great job preparing me for this podcast, but I'm just using this as an example, mm-hmm. regardless of what the outcome is. If there's something that you have to do on a repetitive basis, use video. Video is a great medium uh, for allowing to communicate things that you have to say over and over again. So for example, imagine you hire someone to come work for you on any capacity. If you had a brand video and um, what your mission and vision is and what your culture is like and the do's and don'ts, the best practices for social media or whatever that you want to cover, well, now you make that person, or not make, but you you have that person go through the video or video training. It could be 20 minutes. It could be 10 minutes. It could be three, five-minute videos. We're not talking hours and hours. Right. But it, it helps um, save time. It helps condition the culture. Um, another thing, of course, is having a style guide or brand guide. Those things right. help uh, so that you can help give that out to uh, the new person who's going to come to work. And then also having a, a process for approvals. Uh, before things go out. Uh, one of the things I had a, a client of mine who hired somebody else to do social media for them and they posted things that were not accurate for their brand. Uh, mm. One of them was in workplace culture and somebody wrote a blog post that said, when you're giving criticism, you should always use the sandwich technique. Start with something positive, give them the criti- criticism and then end with something positive. Well, this particular person speaks totally against that, doesn't believe that that but this is the right policy. So, so, you know, I mean, they actually zig when everybody zags. And so what happened was it, it hurt the brand because it yeah. really wasn't on brand. And, you mm-hmm. know, when you, people say the next thing that always comes up is, well, Ford, that sounds great. But, you know, what about paying for these people? They're so expensive. Well, here's the answer to that. There's no such thing as a money problem. There's only an idea problem. If you want to earn more money, add more value. So the question you want to ask is, how do I add more value to earn the money, how do I repurpose, repackage, and grow my business in such a way that now I have the capacity and the means to go out and get help with some of these things? Does that make sense, Terry? It does. It, and I'm so glad you touched on that because it's a it's a nice bridge to what I also wanted to talk to you about, which was really packaging. And when you've got a business of you built around a brand and a, you know just kind of like this whole idea of a certain experience and personality. How does that translate into packaging and adding value to what you're actually selling? Well, the first thing on that topic is I don't believe in transactional sales. I believe in transformations. Hmm, so I want like it when I work with a client I, or if I'm helping a client repackage or monetize their expertise. So, for example, we'll just we'll just pick there's lots of different solopreneurs, but let's just say um, a thought leader or a professional speaker. You know, they're going to have a couple different revenue models. They're going to maybe offer keynote speaking, maybe some breakout sessions, maybe some on-site corporate training. Maybe they do public events. They probably offer some type of coaching and they probably sell some types of books or ebooks or audio or video training. Well, instead of trying to sell each one of those elements, it's better to go into a company, find out what their needs are, position yourself as the prime resource professional. All right. So that's what I, I think a PRP. So it's how do I become the prime resource professional? So that client comes to me for everything. Now, even if it's something I don't do, it's something maybe I can outsource or I can become right. a trusted advisor, but it's really looking at that, how you can position yourself as that prime resource professional. And then what happens is instead of just giving them a price 
on what the client wants, you really give the client what they need. So they're going to call you because they want X, you know, they, they want this or that or that. And you have to be um, skilled enough to be able to look at the situation, ask the right economic questions to uncover their pain, to then mm-hmm. come back to them and say, hey, Terry, now I know you asked for a proposal on X, and here it is. This is the proposal on X. But if you really want to achieve the things that you talked about, here's what you need to do. So you always want to satisfy what their existing question was. But then you really want to reposition it to be a package deal. So, for example, instead of um, an individual product, maybe it's a kickoff um, plus so much a month for the next three years. And you're doing a three-year contract as Mm -hmm. opposed to trying to sell and chase the next deal. Terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment. This season's theme is all about building a business based on your expertise and what makes you, well, you. Why? Because that's where the money is. But here's the thing. Figuring out what makes you distinct from everyone else is hard because you don't see yourself the way people need to in order to buy from you. Life is perceptual, and if you're not communicating who you are and what you do in a way that your ideal client goes yes and hires you, you're leaving money on the table. A lot. So if you'd like help figuring out how to make your brand, your you, stand out, I can help. Book a free brand session with me by visiting pappychat.com. I'll tell you what you're doing well, but more importantly, where you may be missing opportunities to convert your target audience into paying clients. You'll come away with insights that will give you greater confidence in your brand and marketing. Book your brand session with me at pappychat.com and make your brand a slam dunk with those you're meant to serve. Book yours now. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T dot com. Yeah, I like that. It's it's. I'm glad you talked about that as well because I'm actually coaching one of my clients to do that exact thing, to be their outsourced chief training officer and to be able to provide because he has a myriad of different topics that he can speak on and train on and, <clears throat> excuse me, all that stuff. And it makes perfect sense. But a lot of people don't approach things that way. And it's a little easier when you're sole, as a solopreneur, you're selling into a business. But if you're doing more of a consumer type of a thing, I don't know how that would translate as well. I think it does. I mean, if you think about, okay, so you're either going to be business to business or business to consumer. So let's say you're providing weight loss, right? Let's say um, one of your services are you're a coach or maybe you're a personal trainer, a Pilates instructor, a massage therapist, physical therapist, uh, whatever. I'm making these up. Right. Well, you really want to ask yourself, what is this person really coming to you for? Well, they're coming to you for better health. So whatever the modality modality is that you specialize in, mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself, what other problems does this person have that I can become the resource for? And maybe you can do what's called fusion marketing or strategic partnerships where um, you become the prime contact, but now there's somebody else. Like, let's just say, for example... Uh, we're not doing this for anybody listening, but let's just say we were teaching people how to create their own podcast. Well, 
we can have coaching on how to create their own podcast. We can sell them the equipment. We can give them a subscription to the services that how they can record it. We'll show them how to aggregate the podcast. We'll show them how to market the podcast and we'll show them how to build their brand. We'll create their sonic sound. I mean, there's so many different things you could do, but even though, you know, you're not trying to do everything, but you want to become the solution. So whatever business you're in, you really want to look at what other problems does this prospect have? And what, how big is the pain? Because the bigger the pain, the more they'll spend to make the pain go away. So you first have to identify what problems you solve that other people will pay to make go away. And then if you can figure out, well, okay, now I know what the problems are, then ask yourself, can I solve those problems? Now, if you can't, no big deal. You're going to have to go on to something else. But if you can, it's how do you package the value proposition in such a way? Because at the end of the day, they're not buying products and services. They're mm-hmm. buying a solution. They're buying an emotion, a state of mind, a feeling. Everything we buy is for feelings. It's how it makes us feel. So a lot of clients that you and I both work with, they have great value, but they don't know how to communicate it effectively. Amen and maybe, to that. <laughs> and maybe they've been, they've been stuck in a rut. Uh, they've been uh, conditioned to do things a certain way. Or maybe they're making tons of money, so they're sitting back saying, well, I'm very successful because I made X, Y, and Z. Well, you know... It, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. And profit hides a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. So you might be making a lot of money and thinking you're doing great, but if you're wasting money or bleeding it out on something you don't need to spend on, then that's just as bad as you know not making the money at all. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a really fascinating um, concept that you're sharing about you know being that kind of go-to resource and having the partnerships because that makes perfect sense for solopreneurs. In fact, I'm actually just kind of in the process of building that myself. So instead of hiring employees, I'm getting strategic partnerships. So when a client says, I need XYZ, I can actually help them with that. Even if it's just a simple referral, uh, they're able to actually get the help that they need. And I think that that's really, really, really important. And a lot of people really don't do that because they want to stay within their expertise, their little narrow silo. And that's really dangerous in the marketplace because you can get replaced so easily. And I know you, you we talked about, you know, business to consumer where you're trying to build referrals from the people. But if you're doing business to business, you need to make sure that you expand the network of contacts beyond just who your buyer is or person that you're working with because people change jobs. Even CEOs, Mm -hmm. people sell companies. Um, There's a lot of people who have a great relationship with a company and they're providing services to that company. And then somebody changes and comes in as a new buyer or executive in the company. And that executive wants to make a name for themselves. So they make a bunch of changes. And then you've lost the business. But if you would have built a relationship beyond just that person, not I mean going around the person you're working with, but build Mm -hmm. Build, you know, ingrain yourself more into the culture. It's a lot harder for them just to come in and say, well, let's just find someone else because you're helping them. So really, it's being of service, uh, finding out ways that you can provide that value and really just being a critical thinker. I think a lot of times that people just like you said, they get in their silo, they get closed off to looking at opportunities and looking for things that can actually help them. And when they step back, and take a fresh look at their business, not to quote Michael Gerber, but you know, work on your business, not in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great way to really see new opportunities. Yeah, I love that. It's so funny when you were sharing that example, I was thinking back to my early years in business 13 years ago, and I had a client that was a referral and I ended up working with someone in the middle of the company. And when they left, 
I've, I lost the account because I did not have the relationships with the people around them. And which is unusual because usually I work with the owner of a business directly. Mm -hmm. And that was just a perfect example of how that happened when they left. It was like, okay. <laughs> and, and everything, and everything was fine. There's nothing wrong with your current service. It doesn't have anything to do with you. It's just that that new person comes in and they want to make a name for themselves. And one exactly. of the way they do it is, or maybe they worked with a vendor at another company and now they want to bring that vendor relationship over. So, exactly. you know, it's just really important that as an action step that you take a really good look at who the avatars are, uh, fancy term for target market, right? right. Uh, who, who are the people that you are really buying from you and keep it in mind that there's influencers and there's decision makers. I mean, anybody who has a significant other, husband, spouse, wife, whatever, will tell you that in the relationship, somebody's responsible for influencing and somebody's responsible for making the decisions. I know myself at work, I make all the decisions and I'm the decision maker. But at home with my wife, I'm the influencer. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> she's going to she's gonna make the decision. Uh, and, you know, I, I can certainly influence it. I'm a pretty good influencer. But at the end of the day, she's going to make the decision. So you really have to look at that from a buying perspective too. Whatever mm -hmm. services or products that you're selling and you create your value propositions, it's really important that you target your value proposition towards the economic conditions. When I say economic conditions, I'll explain that in a minute, but the reasons why that person wants to take action. So, it, you know, it might be to save their job. It might be to save them time because, you know, at the end of the day, Terry, people don't make changes for four reasons in my mind. There's four fears that they have uh, in my mind. And the first fear is change. They don't want to, they don't want to, maybe you, your product or service is great. They just don't want to change. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is conflict. They believe that if they work with you, that it's going to create conflict. They're going to have to call another department or set up a new vendor or whatever it is that they're going to have to have conflict. So changing conflict, then it might just be a lot of work. You know, it's interesting how I've helped so many clients who come to me and they're putting their packages together and you were talking about that earlier, and we can dive into that in a minute. And they make their packages so complicated mm. because they think they went to a seminar, they watched a, a webinar, they went to something, and someone said, well, you need to bundle and you need to upsell. Well, yes, bundling and upsells and fear of missing out and all those bonuses, those are all helpful. But in the mind of the prospect, they're really thinking, what's wrong with me? Can you fix it? How long is it going to take? And what's it going to cost? Mm -hmm. And if you make a package too complicated, even if I want it, I won't do it. So let's say it's a, it's a, and I won't forget the fourth, I'm going to give you the fourth thing. And the fourth thing is failure. So the four fears are change, conflict, work, and failure. What if I do business with you and it fails? But let's go back to the concept of, you know, what if, what if it doesn't work? You know, what, what if it's too much work is what I was getting at. If you told me, Ford, I'm going to help you lose weight. And I said, okay, Terry, I'm ready. And you said, okay, Ford, here's how much it's going to cost. And I said, okay, Terry, I'm ready. And then you said, well, Ford, here's what I want you to do. I want you to track all your meals. I want you to read three books. I have four webinars I want you to listen to. I've got a 16 <laughs> CD set to go through. I want you to start taking yoga. I want you to start doing reprogramming on your mental capacity and watch your self-talk. I want you to exercise and I want you to do high interval. By the time I'm like, holy crap, I want the result. But all those things are going to put a barrier. So when you're putting your package together, and I give you a perfect example, it's better to put a package together that's easy to get started and integrated mm. and then 
make it more complicated or, or then add bonuses to it. So right. I had a guy that had a six CD set for, uh, of course, some of you millennials are going to have to Google what a CD is because you don't know what that is. But let's just <laughs> say a six module training. And I said, I said, look, you know, no one's going to buy this product. And they got really upset with me and they told me, I said, look, a CEO isn't going to go through six modules. They're just not. Their time is busy. They, they, for what you're trying to do, they're not going to do it. I said, why don't you give them one fast start module and five bonuses? Because once they go through the first module, they'll go through the other five. But they don't, in the, the barrier to making that buying decision, they did and their sales tripled. So I can show you a ton of different examples on packaging, on how to put packages together that, that avoid those fears, that preempt those fears, mm -hmm. so that people will make a better buying decision. Yeah, that's, that's really, really helpful stuff. Oh my gosh, this is like chock full of good things. I feel like I need to be taking notes. <laughs> I'm glad well, you are recording, recording it. it, so you can replay it and listen to it. <laughs> I know, I know, it's too funny. Well, I want to shift gears just for a second sure. here. So just as we kind of wrap up this interview, what are some of the things that you're seeing the new solopreneurs that are coming on scene uh, doing right and the ones that are kind of blowing it? Okay, doing right. I would say the ones that are doing it right, I'm going back to what we started um, on the beginning of this podcast, is they really work with their digital footprint. They make sure that what people see when they Google them is sound and on brand. The second thing they do is they really leverage video. I would say that you know, as, as much as people have heard it before and they know it's not what you know, it's how well you execute, right? I mean, mm -hmm. people know, listening, you know you should be doing more video. I don't care what business you're in. You should be leveraging video on YouTube. You should be repurposing that video on LinkedIn and Facebook. And you know, if this podcast get listens, gets re-listened to in five years from now, whatever the current medium is. But see, Terry, you don't want to get seduced by technology. Technology is just a delivery tool. All social media websites are just databases. So even ones that haven't even been invented yet, at the end of the day, they're just going to be databases. What can mm -hmm. you do with a database? You can have a profile, you can enhance it, you can search, and you can add content. So whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, Snapchat, Instagram, or you name the new one that hasn't even been invented yet, right? Um, those platforms are just where people congregate. So you really want to ask yourself a couple questions. Where do my people congregate? Fish where the fish are. So for me, as a, as a keynote speaker that helps businesses grow, small businesses, I speak to associations and corporations. So I spend time on LinkedIn and YouTube and as my content marketing. So that's the, when you ask what do you, what's the trend? Leveraging more video, shorter, more helpful video. And podcasts are extremely popular. Like that's the reason I'm doing your podcast because mm -hmm. now I'm borrowing the influence of yours. So all of our guests listening to this, you should look at the podcasts in your industry and figure out which ones can you be a guest at. And you're going to have to practice so you know how to answer in shorter sound bites than I'm probably giving you here. Okay. So then what do you find the mistakes? The mistakes are really the opposite. They, they don't market effectively. They're not clear on their value propositions. Their websites aren't secure. They're not mobile enabled. Their digital footprint is terrible. They haven't claimed their Google business listing. They haven't ever got any Google reviews. They don't have any reviews on LinkedIn. They're not using their content or their expertise. And they're telling themselves a the story that if I do all those things, I'm going to get overexposure. Mm -hmm. The only thing you're going to get from overexposure is a cold. Okay, you, 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 <laughs> most most people listening to this are probably a secret in their market. 
People yeah. don't even know who they are. Oh, totally. They don't, and so all this worrying about, well, I don't want to put myself out there too much. No, you're either going to have to get some haters and you're going to have to have an opinion and a perspective. So as we wrap up, as you know, you can ask me as many more questions as you want, but you have to have an opinion and a perspective and you're going to know that you're not always going to make everybody happy and you have to just go to sleep at night knowing I, if you're really authentic and you care and you're really being authentic, then be yourself. And the rest of it, don't worry what other people think because... 80% of the people probably don't want you to succeed anyway. So they're going to be haters. So just let them go and focus on the ones that want what you have. Exactly. And that's so well said. And, you know, especially for the season on the power of a business of you, you know, it's, it's just be yourself. And I, I can't emphasize that more. So I'll just end us uh, with two questions since you said it's okay to ask you as many questions. As sure. You want. Go for it. Uh, the first question is what in your business, Ford, would you like to simplify? Operations. The question, what, I always repeat the questions as if I've been an audience, but what would I want to do to simplify my business would be operations. I'm always looking at how I can improve operations. I mean, I, had a, uh, I have a creative marketing agency and we just went through a creative meeting and we look at what's called our green light, red light report. And that tells us um, how much money we're making on the project to date, how many hours have we have invested and how many more hours do we have until the project's done? And then it also has the conditions of satisfaction for the client. If they're happy, it's green. If they're yellow, it's they're not. Ha and if it's red, they're very upset and I need to make a phone call, right? And so I look at this report once a week and to try to make sure everything's in the green. And occasionally, you know, things slip into the yellow and things slip into the red as reality is. And so if there's one thing I'd want to do is, is be able to find employees that can take personal accountability for their own results that are interested in personal growth, that are critical thinkers and always looking for a better way. Um, that's, the, that's the answer to what would I like to have better. Very cool. And then the second question is, what in your business would you like to multiply? I would probably want to multiply my keynote speaking. Probably because for years I used to do a lot of keynotes. I'm 58 years old now. I've been speaking for over 25 years. Years ago, I was on the road three weeks out of the month doing a lot of public seminars, doing over 100 dates a year. So I would say uh, to answer that question, it's really not more keynotes. It's targeted keynotes to the right audience. I really I speak right now three to four times a month, so I don't really want more. But as anybody listening, um, you know, if you're going to grow a business, I'm going to answer this question a little longer. But if you want to grow a business, there's only four ways. Get more customers, but we don't want more, just so this answers my point. We want more high-value clients mm -hmm. and customers. So that would be my answer, more high-value clients. Number two, people want to increase repeat or referral sales, right? They want to have people do business with them more often or refer. Number three, they want to increase the average transaction, which you and I both work with our clients. How do we get them to package, repurpose, and, and position themselves so they can get maximum value and add maximum value? And the fourth is just re really leveraging our resources. So I believe that the more I know, the more I don't know, as more as I'm touted as a thought leader and an expert in marketing, the more I read, I, you know, the more I realize there's so much I don't know. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very humble. I mean, I'm very opinionated in what I know, but I'm also quick to know, hey, I might not know. There might be something new and you can always better your best. Yeah, that's so true. I love it. 
And, you know, this has been such a great conversation with you for it. I could definitely go on more. You have so much great information about business growth, marketing, packaging, and this all fits so well into building a uh, powerful business of you. And so I thank you so much for being here with me today. And I will have more information about how you can get a hold of Ford and check him out. Watch some of his great videos on YouTube uh, on the show notes page. And that's for you listeners. So thanks for being here. And thank you, Ford, for being here and sharing your words of wisdom. Thank you, Terry. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.